afternoon, Woke family. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Woke Societies. I am Scott, the host and creator of, of Woke Societies, and I am super excited to be here today. I was lucky. I didn't have to work today because we have about a foot of snow that's being dumped on us over here in New York. So I'm taking advantage of that time and I've taken the entire day so far to research the topic that we're going to be exploring today, which is going to be the Orion Cube. I titled this episode, um, Looking Beyond Project Looking Glass, because I want to make this into a series. Project Looking Glass has been a hit um, between my views and Sam Tripley's views. Um, it's been it's gotten close to over 70,000 views now, which is absolutely fantastic. It's been a home run. So this is going to be like a part two to looking glass. And I can't wait to show you guys what I'm going to sh- what I'm going to show you today. So real quick, let's just do up do the uh, call outs here. If you guys haven't subscribed already, go to woke societies here on my YouTube channel. Hit that like button, subscribe, share with friends and family. Um, We all know YouTube is changing their policies and guidelines as of December 10th. So in case I do get shut down on here, I've created a bit shoot. Um, It's slowly growing. Obviously, the market's not as big on bit shoot. But hey, it's another backup channel in case I do get shut down. I have Looking Glass on there now just in case. And if all those options don't work out for you guys, I even set up something else for you now. I am now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I'm waiting to hear back from my heart radio they are the last ones i'm ready to get approval from so if you guys can't listen to me on the other uh, platforms you guys can now listen to me on the go on all your podcasts here all the audio files are going to be uploaded to them just like i would normally on youtube it's all free all this information is out there for you guys to consume and absolutely enjoy so there you go i've given you guys multiple options so you guys can listen to Woke Societies anywhere you want now, which is absolutely fantastic. Support independent media. It's really good. Remember, we are the news now. So today, we are going to be exploring a topic called the Orion Cube. This was slightly mentioned in my last video about Project and Project Looking Glass a few weeks ago. And between me and my manager, Sean, here, we decided we're going to take this route and research what this yellow cube is and what exactly it does. And I, I mentioned in Project Looking Glass that from what I knew at the time, this cube was used in conjunction with Looking with looking Glass and piloting air, um, these uh, ET craft, these UFOs, and they were using the user, they're helping the user to navigate at light speed. And that is just one of the things that I found out about this about this cube, but there's a whole lot more that I found. So what I'm going to be looking into first, guys, the, the the main topic of this, besides the cube, we're going to be looking at this man called Dan Burrish. Um, I'm going to be showing you two videos to, um, more towards the end of this episode that you're not going to want to miss. It's an This guy was the one that actually worked with this technology, and he was, he was working directly under the orders of the Majestic 12. And we're going to hear a lot from him. We're going to go into his history um, because he is the one that has direct experience with this technology and has seen firsthand looking glass. And the, and he's actually used this cube um, in the work that he did. And he's also worked in Roswell, this S4. S4 is the same exact place that Project Looking Glass was used when, they, when that project originally started. So we're going to get into all that. So hang around to the entire episode. You guys aren't going to want to miss um, the origins of this guy, the history of Dan Birch, which we're going to get into now. 
and his experience using the actual cube. So let's begin, shall we? Dan Bursch, born in California in 1964, studied microbiology and psychology at the University of Las Vegas, Nevada. He graduated in 1986 and did a PhD in microbiology in 1989 in the state of New York, a sports fan since childhood, um, but his main thing is microbiology. In 1986, he received an unexpected visit at the University of Las Vegas, the so-called secret government of the United States, two of those men in military uniform offered to work offered to work a top secret project where they could put their talent to work at a maximum level. In 1987, he began working in a Nevada state government office related to prison parole. In 1989, he began receiving tissue samples. Bursch examined them in another place and sent the report to the place of origin of the same. In 1989, he worked on a secret project also and also on the so-called Sharp Storm. But in 1994, he was taken to an underground place called Century 4, which is part of Area 51, where he started working on the Aquarium Project. So guys, you're going to hear his um, his story as a child. And all these insiders seem to have some kind of either you know experience with ETs, and they're picked up by the military industrial complex, and they're thrown into these programs, and they're used. And his story of how he was abducted is crazy and we're going to we're going to hear firsthand what that what that was all about so there he learned that the military were in possession of ships and extraterrestrial beings this is when he first got into area 51 in one department there was information about beings called orions beings from the star system z reticuli also a copy of the agreement made by president eisenhower beings called p50 and the so-called orions in a place called the bay of galio Burrish could see different types of spacecraft. One of them was the ship that Bob Lazar, a former NASA worker who made Area 51 known in the 80s, another of the ships he saw was the one that crashed in Roswell in 1947. Now, what I'm about to read here is an interesting take on Grays and um, specifically, you know, Grays aliens. Um, this, a lot of people may not agree with this view, but I'm going to read it anyways because it's super interesting. According to Burrish, we have a misguided concept of aliens. It clarifies that aliens and extraterrestrials are not the same, but aliens are beings that come from other planets and that extraterrestrials are human in the future and that they travel in time to solve certain problems, but they are from the earth because they are actually the evolution of the human being during thousands of years. Now, that's an interesting take, and why I find it interesting, it's going to be because the next part of this we're going to get into, we're going to talk about how humans came into contact with these aliens when they're spaceship craft and how they got this technology out of the ship again it's very similar to project looking glass but a little bit different but before i i continue on this part here again this is from a blog from infinity explorers that we're getting this information about dan birch but before i continue i want to get into these treaties that were made um with eisenhower and this other treaty called the taj nine treaty now, it's really interesting that I've always wondered, because the last, the last episode I was talking about with Project Looking Glass is um, that these, e, these ET craft crashed onto our planet, right? But a lot of these craft that we, um, that we found that were not crashed were actually taken down by our military. And I always wondered how, how did the military take down um, a craft that works on anti-gravity that moves so fast? How could they, how could they do it? Because conventional weapons just sound so obsolete to these things, right? Well, this is this is from a site that I found 
that that's taken some of the top secret emails and discussions um, from this insider here. And this is him, them talking about how these crafts were downed and some of the other information in regards to the treaties here. So this is in regards to the Tau-9 personified and displayed wide open. 1947 brought an interesting event in that for the first time in perhaps thousands of years, an alien craft was brought down by human endeavor and technology. Though bringing it down was more accident than actual attempt by military to do so, nonetheless, it did come down and crash. There were actual, actually more than one craft brought down at the time period, and all of them were in around the White Sands missile range. What brought them down was Tesla technology experiments, which is super interesting that they were using Tesla technology to bring these crafts down. Just think about how far advanced Tesla was. He was the man. This alone caused a situation that these alien visitors had not faced with for a very long time, if ever. Seven years later, again on White Sands, another ship appeared and landed, landed by prearrangement with our military. The bodies of the dead aliens recovered during the late 1940s were returned to, to the aliens, but a very interesting and top-secret agreement was entered upon between those aliens and our military intelligence and other top-ranking officials of the United States government. This agreement was a pact, a treaty as they refer to it. It was titled as Tau-9 Treaty, and in this treaty, certain exchange agreements were made between the two parties. One agreement was to allow this alien race to continue on with their projects and experiments involving human beings here on this planet. So just to get into a little bit more in depth about what this Tau Treaty was, this is Dan Barish's versions of it. He claims that the Tau 9 Treaty for the Preservation of Humanity is the official name of the treaty with which the Greys that allows them to abduct humans, etc., in exchange for technology and to help avert the disasters slash earth changes that were supposed to happen in 2012. Remember we talked about 2012 and Project Looking Glass and how the deep state were trying to alter the timelines to converge to the one that they that was favoring them, but we found out that it wasn't, and now we're currently in a positive timeline. So this is in regards to this. The treaty allegedly has to be renewed every nine years, and the latest renewal was supposed to be in February of 2012. It should be added that in Dan Burshire's view, the greys are humans from the future, which we're about to get into right now, explaining this. This is what he had been told by J-Rod, and J-Rod is a E.T., um, that he personally worked with in the Roswell um, underground bunkers on the technology of the um, Looking Glass and also of the Yellow Cube. He claims that the two distinct group of greys, future humans have contacted us, one group who lives 45,000 years from now and another who lives 52,000 years from now. The Tau-9 Treaty would be the ones from, the four, from 45,000 years into the future and a group from Orion. He also mentions a second treaty, the OF-9 treaty, which would be the ones with the, from 52,000 years from now and again with the group from Orion. Now that was one treaty, the Tau-9 treaty. This other treaty here, which I found, which is, which is a real treaty, this information is right online, guys. It's all out there. It's called the Greta, the Greta Treaty, which was signed by President-elect Dwight Eisenhower. According to the testimonies examined so far, the February 20 to 21st, 1954 meeting was not successful and the extraterrestrials were spurned due to their refusal to enter into technology exchanges and insistence on nuclear disarmament by the U.S. and presumably other major world powers. Cooper describes the circumstances of a subsequent agreement that was reached after the failure of the first meeting. While Cooper has a different version of dates and times for the 1954 meetings, he agrees that there were two sets of meetings involved different 
extraterrestrials meeting with President Eisenhower and or Eisenhower administration officials. Back in 1954, under the Eisenhower administration, the federal government decided to circumvent the Constitution of the United States and form a treaty with alien entities. And now, guys, this one perfectly sums up this Greta Treaty, and this is from ExoPolitics. And this is kind of messed up in a way. <laughs> the following line items of the Greta Treaty are subject to updates as new information is revealed. Official documentation of the treaty is not available or non-existent, but this is what they claim was on this treaty. The U.S. government is to swear secrecy of their presence on Earth. This is the, um, the Greys. U.S. government may be furnished with information to advance technology. A quota for biological specimens must be met includes human biology. A quota of biological candidates are to be returned to their point of origin with no recollection, no recollection, recollection of any event imposed, and full access to U.S. government facilities is required. Now, the question is, why would President Eisenhower decide to allow extraterrestrials such as these greys to take humans and other biological specimens like cows, um, you know, just nature in general, you know, why would this be allowed? Why would he allow this exchange pretty much of ETs abducting humans, taking them, doing experiments on them, and in response, the ETs would be giving United States ET technology and other services. So let's go back here. So, let's go back to 1947 to when these um, the Roswell crash happened. So, this is again Dan Burrish talking about his experience and the information that he has about Roswell. He assures that they, the ETs came to establish a friendly relationship and that in one of the face-to-face -face meetings, this one skipped the protocol pouncing on him. So, this is J-Rod. This is the one he's referring to as J-Rod. He telepathically transmitted a large amount of information in which he could know that two-thirds of humanity died in a nuclear catastrophe. A part of the people hid underground to survive and others did on the surface. 24,000 years later, the most advanced beings on Earth could travel in time, which is why they traveled to Roswell in 1947. Roswell's ship was, a, was really a time machine. They did not come from another planet from Earth. So guys, this is, what, this is what's going on here. This guy, Dan Burrish, worked with this ET called J-Rod. And J-Rod's um, explanation of the events that happened in Roswell were that there was a different timeline in which human beings warred with each other and had nuclear catastrophe, destroyed the surface of the planet, and forced this whatever was remaining of the human species at that time to go underground. And then some of them were left on top of the surface to fend for themselves. But after a while, because you're going to see a little bit later on, because of the um, of the nuclear technology and the warring that was going on with this technology, it altered these being these humans in this timeline, their DNA. And after years and years and years of you know evolution, they were able to figure out how to get off the planet. And unfortunately, it caused them to also not they had to leave the planet, but also because of the uh, genetic the um, genetic altering from the nuclear wars, it caused them to not be able to reproduce. So not only that, they had to genetically create th their own species to keep it going. So what 
Dan Burge is saying here is that this ET crash from 1947 was a, the craft was a time time machine that went back and picked that point in time in 1947 and go to Roswell to alter that timeline of themselves so they could tell, they could warn us like, hey, you guys have this nuclear technology. You don't, you got to get rid of it. It's going to put you on a timeline that is theirs. And actually it destroyed their genetic way of, of being able to reproduce and all these other things that, all these other bad things. So the question I asked before is why did Eisenhower sign up to have humans t- um, to be abducted by these these greys? Well, the greys needed um, human biology to fix their own DNA so they could start reproducing again. So that was one of the deals. The greys were saying, "Listen, you got you can't use these nukes. You got to get rid of these nukes." So Eisenhower, you know, made some type of treaty with them, obviously, the one we just talked about. And in return, the ETs would give them tech, give us technology to advance our civilization. And in return, we Eisenhower allowed these greys to take humans um, as a quota. It wasn't just humans, it was animals to take to tinker with genetics and to fix essentially fix their own species in that timeline. I know this is a lot. A lot of it sounds crazy, but from my research, this is what I'm finding, and it's absolutely fascinating. So let's continue. According to Colonel Philip J. Korsko, who wrote the book, the day after Roswell, beings were made to travel in space-time. They had two brains, one of them to control the ships, and they did not reproduce. He also affirmed that the ship was the key to technological progress. And remember what I said in Project Looking Glass, guys, when they first found that chair, the chair inside. They realized when someone sat down in that chair... It amplified their consciousness and psychic levels to where they were. First, they first realized they could steer, they could pilot the ship with their mind. And this is what the ETs were doing. It's the same technology. Other groups and survivors to the extinction evolved in the moon. So this is, was um, obviously talking about the, the species on the other timeline that nuked themselves. They did start on inside underground the Earth. They eventually evolved. They moved on to the moon. They went to Mars, and finally they went to Orion, where the P-52 come from, and the or the Orions, which in spite of being te- terrestrials, also colonized these other places. The P-45 would be the most Machiavellian, thirsty for nuclear catharsis to pass in our future in order to justify its existence. They are responsible. These are responsible for the majority of abductions. They lack emotional empathy. So Eisenhower met with these extraterrestrial groups in order to avoid the obviously obvious nuclear catastrophe in this meeting diplomatic discussions between civilizations were made and an agreement was adopted to abduct human beings in order to study them provided they did not suffer or remember anything of what happened the orions gave president eisenhower a cube about eight centimeters wide by another eight centimeters long capable of predicting the future it was passed between rich and powerful to be able to choose well in their lives so here we go, guys. This is the introduction to the yellow cube. So the main technology that the ETs, the extraterrestrials, the greys, they agreed to give Eisenhower this cube, which was able to predict the future. Now, I'm going to draw some distinctions between this cube and looking glass. So let's start here. This is on Ascension Glossary. So Dan Burrish, transcript. However... While the looking glass shows probabilities or has shown probabilities, the yellow cube would react with the people present. So there was an alteration, if you will, 
over what you were seeing from it. It would actually spin out as a yellow disc out of the top of it. This is where the word yellow book originally came from. So there's different names for this cube, guys. It's yellow cube, yellow disc, yellow book. This cube served as a communication device for the surviving extraterrestrial, which we now know to be a time travel from Earth's future, who we also know as J-Rod. The cube was also a recording device of Earth's history up to the evolutionary point in time of the Orion visitors. The Orion cube could be used to view events and places in time through a holographic projection that, that would be projected just above the top of the cube once activated. It's kind of like what you guys would see in Star Wars. This technology does not utilize portals or wormholes, but Project Looking Glass did, so there's another distinction. Rather, it accesses the field of consciousness in order to show probable outcomes via a hologram. So remember what looking glass, they would they would sit in the chair and it would event it would essentially create a wormhole, almost like a stargate, essentially. And the psychic would use their mind use their mind and go and look in and look at future probabilities. The yellow cube was essentially for the for the one user that was holding it. And it would predict that person's current in the current future in that present timeline not multiple timelines just that present timeline so looking glass was used to look at a vast majority of timelines and see what events would alter um, different timelines as as a whole bunch yellow cube was for that one user and it would have a, a holographic projection coming right at the top of it and they'd be able to see their personal future and all that good stuff so Let's see here. Where are we? The technology was pur pur um, purported to be given to Eisenhower by the Orion Groups and Goodwill to be used by the UN authorities. It never arrived at the UN. Yellow Cube, when used, would react with the consciousness level of the people present viewing the possible future. Human interaction and the human emotions would bring instability to the providence of the information that would be seen. Its whereabouts are now unknown. So remember too, guys, when I was talking about that these psychics that were in Project Looking Glass needed to completely train themselves to get any biases and opinions and all, all the extra stuff that everyone, normal people think about on a daily basis, they'd have to clean themselves of that completely and have a completely open mind and an unbiased mind to use that technology properly to get a proper reading. And the same thing was with this, the yellow disc, because people, you know, they were, were emotional beings. And coming in using this technology, it made it very unstable. So, uh, I don't think I need... So, okay. So, this article here, this this is shift frequency. This was a long, long article here. I'm only going to break down parts of this that I highlighted here. Um, we went over this. This is where Eisenhower met with the Greys to go over the uh, treaty that we just mentioned and the resulting 1954 Granada Treaty stated that they would not interfere in our affairs. We would not interfere in theirs. So the ETs and regular humans, would, we would not interfere with each other's affairs. We would keep their presence in Earth a secret. They would furnish us with advanced technology and would help us in our technological development. They would not make a treaty with any other Earth nation. They were allowed to obtain humans on a limited basis to examine and monitor their development, provided they had no memory of the event and returned to the point of abduction. And that was the plan, guys. That was the treaty. It sounds crazy, right? But let's look at this real quick. Eisenhower was the last president to know the entire overview of the alien issue with one notable exception. Succeeding presidents were told only what the intelligence community wanted them to know. 
President Jimmy Carter had planned to make exposure of the aliens a top priority of his administration, but changed his mind after he was told by a leading research scientist working with the ETs that all religions are man-made. He did not believe that people were ready for this information. Crazy. Mr. Bush was the, vet, was the young, ambitious member of the Council on Foreign Relations that volunteered his business to aiding the cause of developing the alien technology back in the 50s. He was the president and CEO of Zapata Oil Company of Texas. Zapata was experimenting with offshore drilling, and he arranged for drugs to be shipped from South America to his platforms by fishing boats. The drugs were then transferred to the U.S. shore by normal means, thus avoiding custom eight customs agents. The plan obviously worked better than anyone expected as today. The NSA slash CIA control all the world's illegal drug markets. And that's a red pill in itself, guys. People always ask me, if these secret space programs exist, how are they funded? They are funded by the CIA that control all the illegal drug markets. And it's not just that. That's one market. All that money that's constantly pushed. The CIA is pushing drugs on people. That's how they make their money. And this money goes into black projects like the secret space programs. There you have it. That's a whole entire different story from a different day. So, what I, here we are. This is what I really want to get into. The man, the myth, the legend, Dan Burrish, the one that actually worked for the Majestic 12 and had hands-on experience with this technology. So, we're going to start here, guys. We're going to get into his background, um, his abduction story, and him talking about these treaties. And obviously the technology. So first one up, we're going to look at his origin. Here we go. But continuing somewhat the practice involved in a, uh, a very unusual project called Lotus. Um, I am a 20-year retiree from uh, Majestic. First having been brought in in 1986 under the auspices of the Committee of the Majority. Um, and uh, specifically working for the Majestic 12. Uh, assigned to Project Aquarius. I suppose I'm more known for meeting a J-Rod uh, and working at S4. Uh, aside from that, I don't really know what I'm known for, aside from irritating a bunch of people on the web that don't want to hear about me. Okay, so you, you worked for Majestic. And so that was just this brief introduction, guys, and I just want to give credit real quick. This was from Project Camelot. This is where these interviews come from. And a bunch of good people were on, the, on Project Looking Glass were telling me to check out Project Camelot. So I was able to tie this into this video as well. So he goes into explaining some of the projects he was in. He doesn't talk about the Yellow Cube um, in this one as much. So I just want to fast forward here to when he talks about his abduction and how he came to first. He went from normal life to the life he now he lived. So let's see. I got it right here. But apparently that what's happened. And, and uh, that it's happened. Okay, well, apparently visited. what has happened to you? Well, uh, in, in 1973, I was playing in a park in Southern California in Mayboyer Park. And um, this is going to probably come out in one or more of the versions of the debriefing with me. I was playing um, baseball with my grandpa in the park. And I was having him throw me a a ball so I could catch it over my shoulder. I was trying to run away at the same time that he would throw the ball so I could try to catch the ball like Willie Mays' famous catches. Uh, during one of these throws of the ball, 
um, I remember looking up toward the sun because it was high in the in the sky at the time. It was summertime, and glancing away because the sun was blinding me, looking down toward the grass, which was very bright green at the time, and then seeing a flash where the grass appeared to turn black. I appeared, uh, from my perspective, I was, I was covered in a shadow. The shadow reminded me of a triangular bat kite that I had played with with uh, my grandfather over the riverbed nearby. And that's the way I basically was able to describe it at the time. I was, what, nine? I was nine at the time. Um, then I remember a flash. Immediately, there's a disjoint memory of this. It's not contiguous. Where I saw my grandfather sitting over by a tree several yards away from me and the sun had clearly moved in its aspect to me so time had clearly passed the earth had moved and time had passed at least several hours had passed he was very shook up I ran over to him asked him what happened and he didn't want to talk about it he said you're okay now you're okay now and he wanted to go home so that was his abduction story, guys. Now I'm going to fast forward to here. He he keeps talking, um, going on about this. And the next part I'm going to show you is when he meets J-Rod for the first time, J-Rod was actually on this ship that he was abducted on as a child. So J-Rod already had a connection with Dan here. And he's going to describe, J-Rod's going to explain to him from J-Rod's perspective what happened that day. Um when he was with his grandfather when he got abducted. So let's pull it up here. I, I also learned of what happened to me uh, from Kaela the J-Rod that I met at S4. He showed me from his perspective what had happened to me in 1973. I saw myself being pulled by my chest upward off the surface of the park. I saw my grandfather going like this and, and uh, basically panicking, uh, uh, crying, because he wasn't able, my grandpa was very protective of me, and he wasn't able to protect me. And now I understand, God bless him, why he was so upset one person in his whole life that he knew that he would protect, that he loved that much to protect, he couldn't at that moment. And I understand why so, I was so upset. But the J-Rod showed me what happened to me, that I was picked up and that I was laid down on a table in some sort of a craft. Uh, and that this craft was a, a generally um, uh, chevron-shaped uh, almost triangular uh, shaped craft and I was laid down uh, next to a series of young people one of which was in fact the son of the former MJ-1 something went wrong during uh, the, the course of my time on board the craft when samples were being taken of me uh, for their studies and the son uh, of the former MJ-1 died. 
during that time they put some sort of equipment on me. It almost looked like um, uh, EEG type, uh, 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 a neural net, if you will, um, of receivers, probes, um, uh, electrodes, if you will on me and they were trying to save, desperately trying to save and I could see the, the, the movement of the J-Rods around this other boy and I, I, I know what he looked like and all of that because I was seeing it through the eyes of, of Kaila. Um, they were trying to save him and he ultimately passed. During that time apparently they were trying with whatever technology that they employ to, to save uh, the boy by storing him. Uh, that Kyla was uh, with the P-45s at the time. These were P-45, 1,000 J-Rods. And they looked at us, and they look at us as, as no more than uh, a, um, containers or, or um, cylinders almost, almost like beakers full of material, of electromagnetic material. And so they were trying to save store his, his energy, if you will, um, right. Arcia suggested the word vessels, right. Um, they were trying to store him for a while, I guess, in me. Now, my memory of, of myself at the time was a rather dull boy. So guys, it's a really cool story. So he, when he's referring to the majestic one son, the original majestic um, group that oversee all these programs. Um, one of his sons was taken to have these experiments done, and he event he actually died. And then what they did was they did what's called a soul transfer, where they took you know his consciousness, subconsciousness abilities, and they pretty much transferred over here to Dan. It, it's it's crazy, it's crazy because um, I can't play his whole story here, but just to recap it. When he comes back down, he was just a normal boy that was into sports, and all of a sudden he gained this knowledge of science, and it just he, it just expanded in him. And obviously, he thinks that's all part of you know maturing. Obviously, as you get older, you know you get into things that you want to do in your career, but he definitely believes a big part of it. And from what Majestic Twelve knew, um, that we find out later, Majestic Twelve actually used um, the cube. And they foresaw that one of the majestic one's son was going to die, and part of the, um, the, I guess, the secondary plan was to transfer his son's soul over to him. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But you find out later that he's he he then used these scientific abilities that he was able to acquire, and he got into the career that he that he landed in. So just to tie up this video here, we're gonna see him talk about. We're gonna mention Looking Glass. honest but i get the feeling as though oh marcia has held up two letters to me lg for looking glass oh she i knows see more. i see, see. i'm see. sitting here in the presence of an individual that actually knows more of the truth and cannot tell me for whatever reason more of the truth about what's happened to me than i know Okay. She's just held up the word, the, the letters LG for looking glass. She's indicating to me that they knew. 
In other words, and looking glass is the ability to look into the future. So what you're suggesting it's is that MJ for that use, yeah. MJ12 was using looking glass. Perhaps saw that the son, that the first son of MJ1 was going to die, and planned to groom you to to carry on. It's possible. In his place. On it's possible. Mm -hmm. But I've never been told by them that. Did J. Rod? Excuse me, but the hints have been, you know, forthcoming that that is the reality involved. Because, I mean, even. And I don't know for certain that he was ever uh, read into the program. Uh, God bless him, Jim, uh, my mentor, Dr. Jim Reynolds. Um, he was moved into places that almost set him up perfectly for Dodie's call, my mom's call that day, to talk with him at Long Beach Memorial Hospital. And she has since admitted she, she admitted to Marcy that uh, she received a sum of money. Crazy. So, guys, that's just giving you guys some background about this guy. Obviously, I believe he's legitimate. He knows a lot of things. But the video where I really want to show you is here. I want to show you him talk this is a this is a second there's multiple interviews that this guy's done with project camelot and he go, this one is about the technology that he witnessed and was a part of and i haven't even watched this whole video the, what i found was enough to show you guys on here but he talked he goes into detail about the look about the uh, yellow cube so here we go if you're familiar with that black box did mm -hmm. you have exposure to that as, mm -hmm. as well yeah, so it, it, was, it was something that we called the cube or the yellow disc or yellow cube, yes. Okay, but then that was not a looking glass. That. Was that a looking glass? Um, that is a, a variant of the technology. Okay. However, uh, whilst the looking glass shows probabilities or has shown probabilities, the, the cube would react with the people present. So there was a, a uh, an alteration, if you will, over what you were seeing from it. It would actually spin out as a yellow disc out of the top of it, where the word yellow book originally uh -huh. came from. Yeah. Uh, and depending upon what predisposition, it's kind of like uh, uh, little Yoda telling uh, young Luke, you bring in there what you have with you. You know, whatever's in there is what you bring. Um, you could then change the perspective the tilt, if you will, the orientation or angle of the information being presented back to you. So unless you are well prepared to deal with such a thing, human interaction and human emotions bring instability of the provenance of the information. Okay, that's, that's what went on with the black box, you're saying? Yes. Okay, but with yes. the looking and I, I Actually, I use that to our advantage at the T9 because that, in fact, was present at the T9, and I projected certain information, which... Just to pause real quick, the T9 are conferences with his superiors and also other ETs. So just to throw that in there, just, they're just they're, they're meetings for these black projects. Caused a little upset during the, uh, during the meeting, and they got certain abductions removed and lotus removed off the calendar and things like that. I caused some real trouble in Can the you words. elaborate? Are you willing well, to elaborate? The, the 
me sit here and consider what I should and should not. Uh, okay. During the negotiations for the Town 96, I was asked to supply a model for the Lotus. In fact, Marcia and I were both asked because they knew tangentially she was involved. Uh, I agreed to do so, which is what you respond when you're a sworn operative. It's yes, unless there are great, great um, objections. I was then taken to the location where the, the treaty was actually being negotiated. Give a short recitation as to the nature of Lotus. What was happening is the, the P45Ks used Lotus. They wanted to use Lotus for the back engineering of their own neurological problem. Uh, I was uh, objecting to its use, but still to provide, was under orders to provide a model. Um, I was prepared to do so. Uh, but I was also allowed to show them probable outcomes. So in fact, the yellow book, the cube, was used for that purpose. Shockingly, they happened to see themselves standing on the bones of their own families and things like that in the vision, and they ultimately decided to remove Lotus as well as certain abductions um, from the, uh, the Town 9 Treaty. So we were successful in getting certain things removed. Uh, I, I, I think I can safely mention at this time, because we're only one OF9 and one, one Town 9 treaty away from the passage through the, the, the completion of the passage through the, the galactic plane. So I think I'm, I'm pretty well safe to, to go ahead and mention it now. They're not going to be able to get it back put on the treaties and all of that in the time that we have left. Uh, in other words, they got outfoxed. And that's what happens when you're negotiating in treaties. So you uh, use the ca capacity of the yellow book or little black box to yeah. show them the future implications exactly. of, of what using the Lotus to amplify or to, or to rectify their own biological this is true. problems. This is true, and, and that was skewed by, it, it takes a great deal of emotion to skew the imagery uh, and the, the audio that comes with it. But um, I'll just say that I'm extremely vehement with regard to my, my objection for the Lotus being used. And apparently that vehemence was sufficient to skew the, the image enough to get them to jump back aghast and in, uh, in horror. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, okay. And, and this, this kind of like, just for the sake of the audience to some degree, um, you have seen in, I guess, the yellow book or in the looking glass, and you can correct me which one it is, the future of Lotus, in a sense. How Lotus becomes, um, you know, once it's, it's brought to the fore by you. Well, actually, no. no. No? No, I haven't. I haven't. So, guys, I'm going to cut it off there. Um, I was hoping there was a part in here where he says, because she asked, where, what is, this, is this technology still around? And he says most of it's been deconstructed. And the yellow, the cube, and the looking glass devices, he goes on to say that they are in good people's hands. And that's all he referred it to. And it just reminded me of when, you know, everyone talks about Q. Um, when Q, when they say Q says that they have it all, future proves past. Maybe somewhere, because it's military, maybe there's some good guys that still have access to this technology. 
So it's very encouraging. So with that, guys, um, he's talking again. He's talking about the Lotus program. That's another program that we can uh, we can go over at another point. Um, that's pretty much just talking about um, pretty much God particles and basically being able to redesign uh, DNA to get bad things out and good things in. And he was part of that also. And the ETs were working with that because, again, remember, they were trying to fix the part of their DNA that so they could reproduce again. So that was all part of that as well. So that is what the Orion Cube is about. It's very matter of fact. So there was a lot of history I wanted to show you guys. And I wanted to show you guys a firsthand account of the person that actually worked with this technology. This stuff is real. It's out there. If I can find it, I'm just a regular regular dude out here uh, just researching on the internet. And these are the things that I'm coming across, and they're very controversial. They sound insane, but nothing surprises me now in this world, and this is where we are. This is where we are. And if it, if, it, if you feel like it's something that's connected, that's connected to you, and you want to tell, tell all your friends and family about it. So, again, guys... Thank you for listening today. Go to Woke Societies, hit that subscribe button, hit that like, give it a share, give it a comment. Let me know what you guys think. I know I'm going to get a bunch of different reactions for this one. Um, We're going to continue the series and see what else I can find. And remember, go to my bit shoot, check me out my podcast. And until then, guys, stay woke.